0: Can it <laughs> Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare
1: and magic perfume? Oh no, it isn't the breeze. It's Jackson time. La, da, da, da.
2: Well, hello again. This is Buck Penny speaking. I am so excited. We have Terry Phillips back with us, and it's been a while. Good to see you, Terry. Nice to see you. Yeah, and uh, we have, and he's back for a great episode. This is uh, a special episode we're presenting. Jack Benny appeared on Omnibus, and Omnibus was a show that presented all sorts of different things. I mean, I think they mentioned at the beginning of this that sometimes it's a play, or sometimes it's various things, and so this time it's Jack Benny. Uh, he's he's doing his horn blows at midnight which um, they describe as as being very, very poor. Um, I don't know. I think some of us have watched it and I kind of enjoyed it. It wasn't his best I film, but it wasn't terrible. It. But you saw no, it too. It. Kathy, yeah. so no yeah. no,
3: I like this even better. I that. think it was meant to be an hour long. That's yes. Uh,
2: uh, oh yeah, that's that's I think that's why they did this because originally this was presented a few years earlier on the radio, and it went over really well that people thought oh that was it was it it kind of redeemed uh horn blows at midnight a little bit and so they said oh let's bring that version to television so that's kind of what they did uh anyway um let's go around and see what our thoughts were on it and if anyone wants to point anything out so uh let's go to john first john what were your thoughts
4: yeah well uh, for people who aren't like super jack benny fans like us Uh, They always joked about how bad the horn blows at midnight was on the radio show and how the the movie version was such a big flop and it was a constant joke and so you mentioned uh, that Buck that in 1949 they did a version for the Ford Theater radio show which was just half an hour Mm. and if you hear that show they tweak it they make it a little bit better and to the point where it's a success and it's fun. And I think that was just the you know the I've seen you know bits and pieces of the Hornblows at Midnight movie, and there's something about it that's just not fun, you know, like maybe it's taking itself too seriously or something, you know, I don't know what it was, but then that radio episode and then here on television i feel like they're having fun again and it really helps that there's an audience that they can play off of that he can mug to so i thought it was great and delightful and especially when you go in thinking oh this is gonna be a flood this is gonna be terrible and then you you see it and it's like oh it wasn't so bad after all so I, i actually quite enjoyed it
2: very good well i i just thought i'd mention too the I think a piece that makes these two versions, the radio version and this version work better than the theatrical version, and we've mentioned it before, We, I wanna let somebody uh, expand and do different things and and I respect that an actor wants to do that, but we kinda of know Jack as Jack and on this version, the radio version, he's kind of Jack. I mean, it, you, uh, Jackisms are everywhere, whereas in many of his movies, the ones that I find I don't like as well, he's trying to act like a different character and not come across like Jack, and, he, and I think he purposely tries to stay away from tropes and things where you'd, where you'd call back to his radio show and things, but that's his meat and potatoes, and and you take those away from us, and we're like, Oh, uh, we're hungry. We want more. So yeah. uh I think that's why some of his, his films don't work as well as others. I think the closer he is to Jack, like in uh, Buck Bunny Rides Again, we I, I tend to like those the best of his of his pieces. I guess the only one I'd say that he wasn't acting like Jack and he was truly acting and it worked really well was to be or, or to be or not to be. But that was just an excellent script uh on top of it.
3: Yes, so, uh, and
2: Lubich was great. And so anyway, um, but let's go to, uh, let's go to Kathy. What do you think, Kathy?
3: Oh, well, that's, uh, I'm going to punt to Terry and then come back because I want to hear what he has to
2: say. We will do that. Terry, what do you you think?
5: Well, I'm going to punt to John. Okay,
2: (laughs) well, I'll tell you.
4: (laughs) I noticed a young Harry Scherer. Notice John doesn't punt to me. No one punts to me. yes.
3: (laughs) <laughs> little little Harry Shearer with those big
5: eyes. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll take the ball and I'll start with Harry Shearer. I, it was delightful to see him, uh, you know, as a little kid, but with great acting chops and and he was he was very funny in this, um, and all the way up to the you know the old vaudevillian Benny Rubin. Of course, was a mainstay in the Benny uh, universe one of the things i learned in watching this i i was only six months old so i you know in <laughs> my defense i wasn't reading the new york times so when this uh, when this time came time out <laughs> but i didn't know about the uh the uh, deadly smog in uh in new york city oh, I uh, in that november nice. of 1963 when when this came out uh, I, I think several hundred people died wow. uh, from you know, an ailment related to uh, the terrible air quality. In, in the air. Oh, wow. Um, and so they, you know, make a reference to that. And I just thought it was a gag until I went and read about it. And wow. it was real.
2: And you said 63, but you meant 53,
5: right? I'm sorry, 53. Yeah. 53. Yeah. The, the other thing that, that really captured my imagination was that it, I, I, you know, I completely agree with you, Daryl. This really was like an episode of the Jack Benny Show uh the fact that it was on omnibus was a a bonus but it was almost like uh, they took an episode of the jack benny show and put it on omnibus um alistair cook was wonderful he was um you know one of my heroes as a as a presenter and as a journalist um he he knew what people would be interested in and somehow he understood Better than we did, how good it would be for people to see this tightened version of uh, The Horn Glows at Midnight. The rest of the characters were all terrific, but obviously this was a Jack Benny vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't take a genius to figure out that people would watch almost anything that Jack Benny did. Right. But why not take something that didn't get appreciated and, and make it even better? So I'm I'm really glad that they did this. I thought it was a a very, it was a brilliant thing to do.
2: Well, Terry, and I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that too. This of course is 53. So Jack's show has been on the air for three years now. Lucy's been on for like one.
3: Right. But, but only, you know, like half a dozen times. So yeah. And he's still on radio.
2: Yeah, and so people want to see more Jack, and and yeah, so it totally makes sense that they could they could uh, use Jack probably Jack into more viewers and that sort of thing. Uh, I, it would be interesting to see what the ratings were for Omnibus week to week and how high this Jack Benny one. I would think it was one of the higher rated ones. Well,
3: what what I've learned was this was their first trip to the West Coast, so Omnibus, m- much like Alistair Cook, was a New York based program. It was on Sunday afternoons from um 2 to 3.30 p.m. on the East Coast. Weird. So this is a Sunday afternoon program totally funded by the Ford Foundation. So in the same way, in the late 60s, the Ford Foundation would um create Sesame Street. They would fund Sesame Street. So here was the Ford Foundation's attempt to create a sort of public interest. Uh, let's introduce masses of people to hire culture, you know, and interesting things like that. Uh, I can also say that this was a night. So the Benny episode took up 57 minutes of a 90 minute show. It was followed by a 20 minute lecture on Shakespeare by a professor and a a 10 minute clip from a documentary about condors.
2: Wow. Okay.
5: (laughs) Truly. (laughs) omnibus.
3: Little omnibus, bit of everything.
5: So. <laughs> Kathy, I don't remember who broadcast Omnibus.
3: I see that it was on. Well, now this was on CBS, but later it went to ABC. Uh-huh. So uh, this was, and so I know uh, I I actually have a review that uh, of the show from when it came on to to end us with. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to mention that Beverly Washburn played the little girl. Beverly would play Margaret Truman. In, oh, in one yeah. show, and she's still with us doing a Benny recreations. So
5: uh, it was in nice some day. ways the reason I asked about the network is in some ways it, it's uh, something that public television would broadcast today or exactly. in, in, be on some cable channel maybe today. Exactly. But at the time, the networks were were seriously uh, supporting documentaries, and this was kind of uh, at least partially kind of a documentary show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not not the more posted, admitted, but
3: the rest of it. No, but how how nice to consider that for Benny Stardom, his the relative rarity still on TV that he's CBS's number one star, so you can sort of see the stars align, and just as you all, I liked this this version so much, so much better. The film is just too dour. It drags out the sad people's stories too long. I love how, just as you all have said, how this condenses things, it brings in, allows Benny to have more of his humor, but I wanted to ask you all, do you remember there's the odd comments, that Alistair Cook made at the very beginning, where he's saying Jack Benny is feeling a little self-conscious about being involved in the atomic bomb. As it's so, oh, it's at the very beginning when, when mm-hmm. Cook is introducing this, and by way of saying that, you know, this was created in 1945. But here we're thinking 1953, and that's just about the time that Russia's getting the bomb. Mm-hmm. you know and maybe china too and so uh, cook is putting it into uh you know again this destruction of the world at the very end of uh of the horn blows at midnight where athanael's character is saying well let's give the earth another shot you know they have far too many wars and far too many prejudice uh, you know i'm um, far too much intolerance but he said let's give them another shot at the very worst they'll have a war and blow each other up and so thinking about that context you know i mean as much as this is light and enjoyable suddenly makes you think
2: (laughs) yeah and that's probably what he was trying to do (laughs) so because this is omnibus so we need to talk about the bigger picture
4: i I wonder Uh, i wonder if they're if they're trying to say you know rod serling style we better watch out yeah or if it's just, they're just trying to be funny. Because in some ways, I, I thought that the whole comment, especially at the end, about the atomic bomb, bomb was just a joke that, uh, hey, you'll save on the destruction cost or, you know, you know, right. that, like, that's sort of like, you know, I don't know. Maybe not.
2: Yeah, no, I can see it either way. Because um, it, it, at the beginning, it, it felt like a lot of jokes that the host was making at the beginning, uh, didn't really fall that well they were like okay they were a little awkward and it's okay he didn't seem like that was his forte so uh but he was fine yeah.
3: well well if it's okay let's see what varieties reviewer had to say this yep. is a helm who reviews all the regular um like jack benny shows and so they actually called it jack benny on omnibus not omnibus with jack benny but after so it says, after a dozen years and a thousand jokes, Jack Benny finally got around to doing the Horn Blows at midnight on television. If the picture he had made for Warners played half as well as it did on yesterday's omnibus, the returns would still be pouring in from reissues. It was a warming fantasy with a rich vein of humor for a memorable issue of the Ford Foundation's Sunday afternoon TV classics what hugh wedlock and howard snyder so skillfully adapted from the original which was never filmed and i don't understand that and directed with imagination and feeling by ralph levy brought benny to earth from his heavenly abode to destroy the world as Nathaniel, angel third grade he was given one more chance by the chief to make amends for his previous boo-boo which brought smog to new york from out of the clouds he descended on new york and was met everywhere with kindness When a young couple quarreled and he mistakenly made off with the gold horn that Benny was to blow at midnight to sound the world's doom, Benny started off in search of the lost instrument. With horn in hand, the hour of destruction near, Benny pleaded with his heavenly chief to spare the world for a few more years. The thundergrams rolled at his every blunder but became increasingly weaker. The world was saved and the bejeweled horn was never blown. Benny was out of character in only a few sequences, such as when he gave away money. (laughs) Um, He took the whimsy in easy stride like he does with comedy and spun an aura of charm that enveloped the play like a halo. The humor was thinly woven but highly affected and there could have been no offense at even the slightest hint of sacrilege. Heaven and angels are touchy subjects with some. Contributing excellent support were Jeff Donnell, Dorothy McGlone, Dorothy Malone, excuse me, Lester Matthews, Benny Rubin, Helene Hill, Frank Jacquet, Rolf Sedan, Leo Lubin, Martin Dean, Harry Shearer, Lee Miller, John Vosper, Paul Wooten, Beverly Washburn, Anne Duran, and Rusty Morris, as if you needed to know. Production was of high quality and the heavenly scenes especially impressive. Alistair Cook's witty crossfire with Benny was brilliant persiflage remainder of omnibus was given over to a dissertation of shakespeare by cook and dr frank baxter a university of southern california professor with a sense of humor oh my god and a film on the condor it was an all california omnibus for the first time telecast from hollywood commercials were scattered judiciously and benny's 53 minutes of the horn uninterrupted so thank you for letting me read that but uh,
5: Kathy, that's so, great and I want to quibble with the reviewer on two points. Uh, for, first of all, I think I think Alistair Cook was very funny, especially at the end of this. I thought he had great comic timing and uh, a terrific sense of humor.
2: Yeah, the ending was better. Yeah.
5: Sure. Yeah. And as far as the giving away money is concerned, I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was it was perfect because we do know the Jack Benny uh, character, you know the persona and I think that was deliberately put in there for that very reason.
2: Yeah. Playing on the character, yep, I think so too. Well,
3: see, that's great, Terry. You know Benny better than the critic of 1953.
5: Like <laughs> well, I, I, I have the I have the advantage of 70 years of, uh, of uh, um, enjoyment. Yeah, exactly. Well,
3: well I, it always amuses me what people writing the day after have to say. They're yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
2: And I'm so thankful that you you look up those reviews for us and things because they're so interesting. Hearing about what was what they were thinking at the time. Uh, the other thing I like about uh, I think it was this show. It, you guys can correct me if it was the uh, the previous one we did, which is what's my line. But uh, at the end of one of these, they did something that I always like them to do: is place it in time with the Jack Benny show. They said, "Oh, and coming up on the Jack Benny show will be." Irene Dunn and Vincent Price and we recently reviewed that episode and so that'll uh we'll be able to put that in the timeline and and everything and so that's kind of that's kind of nice was that at the end of this one I think was yeah yeah yeah. so so it's always wonderful when they do that and it makes you go oh okay that's exactly where this slides into the grand scheme of Benny appearances on television Uh, I was telling the folks earlier in the panel that uh, excuse me that uh I try and Look up and try and find any Jack Benny shows from '53 that we can weave into uh, his his actual shows, any appearances he makes on other shows, and so we present things like this if we have them, if they seem to exist, and uh, and if we find them and can and can use them. Um, in 1954, there's a few appearances he does as well. Each each year, there's basically uh, some extra things that he does, and so when we can present those, it's always fun. Um, this is probably the most charming one of all of the appearances he does on other shows, uh, at least the most fully Jack-centric of the, of the whole thing. So it's fun
4: to present things. So anything else, folks? Are we good? I, I just thought it was interesting that uh, when he's at the ballroom, he, he's the band is introduced as Malin Merrick's band. Yes. Which, of course, is Jack Benny's regular band. And I wonder if he brought his band in with him to do this show. He must have. It actually so.
5: looked like they used the Jack Benny Studio, the Jack Benny yeah, Theater, for that, to produce Looked very. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm.
4: I guess if they were visiting from New York, it would make sense. Yeah.
5: Yeah,
2: and it might be make it easier to get it done. They're like Jack, if we can use your stage and stuff, we're going to do this. It'll be a real uh, tour de force for you, sort of thing. And so I'm sure Jack would be interested in that. And plus, you know, Jack was a financial guy too. I'm sure he got some money for for putting up his stage and his studio and his musicians and the whole thing. So that would make sense. Uh, They didn't make a Bagby joke or anything though, when the musicians were there, (laughs) I'm sure
3: for people perhaps going down. So,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thanks for joining us folks and we'll see you all next time for more Jack Benny. Uh, Love doing this. Love that Terry could come back for this week. Uh, Terry will be, of course, in and out and, and, and available sporadically because uh, he's got his one-man show going on. Um, just because we mentioned it last time, but let's mention it again this time because it's kind of fun. So it's about um, Reagan, and it's a one-man show about Reagan. So you're not the one man. It's somebody- uh, I,
5: I'm not. It's, about, it's called Ronald Reagan Saves the World. It's uh, scheduled to premiere in Santa Barbara on September 1st of this year and uh, coming to a theater near you, I hope, after that.
2: Yeah, it'll be awesome. And then uh, the... So, the things you did on it, or are doing on it, you wrote it pretty much, yeah. yes, yeah. okay. And then, and then also, are you doing it? Are you directing it or anything? Or, or is I, that I, the, I went
5: know? from writing it to writing and producing it to writing and directing and producing. Wow. It. But, uh, I, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to appear on stage uh, <laughs> as long as I can hold out.
2: <laughs> but do you get to come out on stage at the beginning of it and say? this has been this will be a production of I might terry, terry for a phillips writing theater. terry phillips directing <laughs> terry phillips producing and now i bring you the only person in this whole show that is not terry phillips <laughs> here we go <laughs> that's awesome good for you terry what and what a uh i mean it I always wonder with these kind of things how many people there are like you that have spent like four years on a project or multiple years on a project, and then they just end up having to shelve it and it doesn't ever turn out to anything we see.
5: You see that file cabinet behind me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are more in there.
2: <laughs> those those are the past and perhaps future presentations. I, I certainly <laughs> hope so. <Yes. laughs> But no, it's great to see that you got one this one going and everything, and I hope it does tour the country. I would love to see it. So Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, enjoy, and we'll see you folks next time.
6: And now we are really proud to introduce our fresh strike that's been rinsed clean from the California gold fields. I mean this young, promising, struggling actor named Benny. Now, when we got out here, we'd never met him, and we found that he was a modest, sensitive youth with a big load on his conscience because he suffers from the delusion that um, he caused the atom bomb. (laughs) Uh, Let me tell you how this came about. In 1943, he made a movie in which he was a thaniel, an angel who was sent on a mission to destroy the earth he didn't, didn't succeed in destroying the earth but he darn near destroyed the film industry <laughs> and if ever an angel fell flat on its face its name was Nathaniel benny you see he felt that by kidding atomic fission he was more or less sort of inviting the bomb if only by way of revenge uh, so that's why he has a bad conscience he's a manly little chap he's also a very shrewd little fellow and there was little matter of conscience money involved <coughs> So the uh, attorneys representing Omnibus sat down with the legal and financial representative of Mr. Benny. The legal and financial representative of Mr. Benny is Mr. Benny. (laughs) And uh, after a rather impressive shipment of gold from Fort Knox over to his little humble shack in the hills, he agreed to come on Omnibus purely for the sake of art. He is uh, going to put on today a completely new version of this fantasy. He's very anxious to tell you this is just a fantasy. It's about an angel (laughs) whose mission was to destroy the earth. It's called The Horn Blows at Midnight, Jack Benny.
7: including conferences with representatives of the planet have decided that Saturn has a sufficient quota of moons and no illuminary changes Uh, will...
8: that's illuminational.
7: Well, that's what I said. No illuminational changes will be necessary. Now, what else, Elizabeth?
8: Uh, There's that memo on the North Star. There's a definite southern drift.
7: Oh, well, that's still two billion light-years away. Can wait till tomorrow. Situation normal on Uranus and Jupiter. And Mercury is improving by degrees.
8: I think that covers
7: everything, Chief. Yeah. Well, that's fine, that's fine. Just sign it, respectfully yours, Chief of the Small Planets. Uh, send the original upstairs right away. Oh, Elizabeth, I think you, uh, you may take the rest of the afternoon off. I, I can still get nine holes in. Uh, you know, I have a hunch that I'm going to knock four strokes off my game with this new iron. Mm-hmm.
8: Office of Small Planets. Good afternoon. I'm not in. It's the front office.
7: I'm in. <laughs> hello, hello. Yes, yes. This is the uh, this is the chief speaking. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. Planet number three three nine seven four. Oh yes, sir. I I'm very well acquainted with that planet. Goodbye, sir. Now which is three three nine seven four? <laughs> Yes.
8: Oh, I think it's one of the little ones, Chief. Oh, yes.
7: Wouldn't you know it? Things were going too smoothly.
8: Three, three, nine, seven, four. Oh, here it is. It's called Earth.
7: Earth? Oh, that nasty little (laughs) globe.
8: It's given us trouble before.
7: Oh, yes, it's always the little ones that give you the biggest headaches. You know, the front office wants me to straighten it out or get rid of it. War every 20 years, over two million crimes per annum, greed and tolerance, persecution everywhere.
8: Pretty messy.
7: Elizabeth, it's shocking. It's a document of man's inhumanity to man. From the very beginning, those people down there have violated every concept of civilization. They've forsaken peace and love for for war and persecution. Power and plunder have become more important and gentleness and humility. I tell you, Elizabeth, that entire planet... ...is a monument to greed and intolerance, and I'm fed up.
8: Well, what are you going to do, Chief?
7: I'm going to destroy it. Wipe it off the face of the... ...well, destroy it.
8: <laughs> Without any warning?
7: Well, the front office has given them warning enough. Droughts, plagues, floods, everything. But they pay no attention.
8: Well, I'd better send for the forms. You'll have to fill out reports to the Recording Department, the Registry, the Accounting Office, and the Orbit Division.
7: All that? are there any quick angles? You know, Elizabeth, what we need up here are a few big politicians, and they better start letting some of them in.
1: <laughs> Our
8: demolition expert. Yes, he's out on another assignment.
7: Oh, but anybody can do this job. All we need is a man who can play the horn. He simply descends, plays a few notes, and poof! That's the end of it.
8: Uh, Chief.
7: Uh-huh.
8: Now, don't yell. But what about a Nathaniel?
7: Nathaniel!
8: <gasps> You're
9: yelling.
7: Oh, Nathaniel. That nincompoop has botched every assignment I've ever given him. That... that blundering nitwit.
8: You really shouldn't call him names, you know. After all, he is an angel. He's not an income poop. it's just that he hasn't found his proper niche up here.
7: <coughs> Elizabeth, you keep on telling me this, but I, I've tried him in a dozen different assignments and he's failed in every one of them. Why, why only last week I, I tried him in the weather department and he got things so mixed up that there was smog in New York. <laughs>
8: It was an accident.
7: But imagine that, Elizabeth. Smog in New York. (laughs) Everyone knows we keep our smog in California.
8: (laughs) Give him one more chance.
7: What makes you think he can handle this job?
8: He can blow the horn. He's been 455th trumpet and outfield harmonic for over 300 years.
7: Well, I guess he can't be wrong all the time. Even a clock that stopped is right twice a day. (laughs) well all right but this is his last chance call the rehearsal room
8: I'll have him up here in a jiffy a philharmonic please in rehearsal all right I'll hold on (laughs)
0: I stopped when you said stop.
10: For 120 years, I have been conducting this orchestra. And for 120 years, you have been playing the wrong notes.
0: (laughs) Mr. Beethoven, remember your blood pressure. I mean, you don't want to drop dead all over again.
10: (laughs) Always the wrong notes. Why? Tell me why. Well,
0: because it's a very difficult number and it takes a lot of practice. I mean, I'll get it right if you'll just be patient a little while longer.
10: A little while longer?
0: Yes, and besides, what's the rush? I mean, we're not going anywhere.
10: (laughs) That has nothing to do with it. 10,000 men we got in this orchestra, 9,999
0: musicians, and you. But, Mr. Beethoven... Why?
10: Why did you ever have to take up the trumpet? Why wasn't you a plumber? <laughs>
0: well, you see, when I was a boy in New Amsterdam over 300 years ago, you see, we didn't have plumbing.
10: Well, we got it now. <laughs>
0: I know, but all my life i wanted to be a musician. And, and the trumpet was my first love.
10: Then you certainly was jilted. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what
10: am I going to do with you? Beethoven here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ja? ja, Herr Chief. Uh, Daniel? Wonderful! Sure. Yeah, ja, yeah. Ja. How long do you need him? Only a day? <laughs> All right, I send him right over. But uh, then I have good news for me. The chief <laughs> the chief wants to see you. The chief? Uh, I, are you sure, Mr. Beethoven? Sure, I'm sure.
0: Gosh, the chief wants to see me, and I I thought he was mad at me. Because, you know, last week when I was in the weather department, I made a boo-boo. <laughs>
10: Will you excuse me, Mr. Beethoven? Mit pleasure.
0: (laughs) Gee, Mr. Beethoven is so touchy lately. 10,000 musicians, and I'm the only one that he picks on. Maybe he doesn't like me. Eh. (laughs) Wait till they start playing without me. They'll see how thin it sounds.
7: realize it, Horatio, but getting rid of the Earth will be a great help in balancing the budget. Oh, yes, the budget. Now, think of what we'll save in rainwater alone. That's a big item. Yes, a big item. And don't forget the thunder and lightning that little planet uses up. It'll cut our electric bills way down. Yes, Chief, way down.
1: <laughs> oh,
7: uh, Horatio, Remind me to talk to Halley about his comet. Yes, Chief. There's no point in it's traveling around the Earth anymore. Horatio, when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. Yes, sir. You'll ask for it. Come in. Yes, come in. (laughs)
8: Oh, hello, Nathaniel.
7: Hello, Elizabeth.
0: Gee, you look pretty.
8: Not now, Nathaniel. Oh, Chief. (laughs) Here's Nathaniel.
0: Oh, hello, Chief. I, so nice to see you again. Nathaniel, how long have you been up here? Uh, 300 years, sir. I'm from New Amsterdam, you know. Uh, what is your rank? Angel, third grade. <laughs> uh, junior grade, rather. Third phalanx,
7: 15th cohort. Well, I, I have a special assignment coming up, and uh, Elizabeth thinks that you could handle it.
8: Oh, he can, Chief. I'm sure he can.
0: That's right, Chief. I mean, if it's written for the trumpet, I can play it.
7: (laughs) (laughs) But this requires a very special kind of trumpet. Uh, Affeniel, I want you to destroy planet number 33974.
0: 33974. Yes, sir. 33974. But, Chief, that's Earth, my whole planet. I mean, I was born and
7: raised there. I mean, why, why would you want to destroy it? Because it's the most obstreperous planet in the whole firmament. And it's given us nothing but trouble. Nothing but trouble.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, all right, Chief, but how do I go about destroying a planet?
7: Horatio, get me the horn. Yes. (coughs) Thank you, Horatio. Now, this is the instrument of destruction. On this card... ...are written five notes from the Judgment Day Overture.
0: Uh Now,
7: when these notes are played on the horn... ...the Earth will disappear from the universe. Gosh! What a... ...what a funny-looking trumpet. No, it's... it's not a trumpet, Nathaniel. It's a very special kind of horn. And you must be very careful with it. Now, listen carefully to these instructions. You will proceed to New Amsterdam. Oh, it's called New York now, Chief. New York? Oh, Elizabeth, you will arrange with Mercurius for transportation and anything else that Nathaniel might need for his trip. All right. Now, will you get going right away?
8: Yes, Chief. I'll pick you up in your apartment, Nathaniel.
7: All right, Elizabeth. (laughs) Nathaniel? Nathaniel! Yes, yes,
1: Chief.
7: <laughs> you will go to the Waldorf Biltmore in New York. Yes, sir. And a little, by, a little while before 12 o'clock, you will go to the roof. Yes, sir. Now, I want you to listen to this very carefully. The horn must be blown at exactly 12 o'clock. Yes, sir. Now, that means precisely 12 o'clock. 11.59 won't do, 12.01 won't do. It must be 12 on the dot. Have you got that? Yes, sir.
0: I will see that the horn blows at midnight.
7: (laughs) Now get going. And if you do a good job when you get back, you may find yourself an angel senior grade. God,
0: me, Nathaniel, an angel senior grade. And it seems that only yesterday that I was a rookie angel.
7: But if you botch the job, I'll have you back on your knees scrubbing clouds.
0: <laughs> no, Chief, I won't botch it, because I want to make good for, for you and for Elizabeth. And I I want to be an angel, senior grade.
7: That's the spirit. <coughs> now, you, uh, you sure you remember everything? Everything, Chief. Don't worry. Goodbye. 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 (coughs) Nathaniel. Yes.
0: Oh. Oh. I was so excited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The
7: the salvage department will be calling for instructions. What shall I tell them, Chief? The salvage department? (coughs) Tell them to stand by to pick up a load of scrap at midnight.
10: Hello. I'll be
8: right out. Nathaniel, <laughs> uh, hmm? where in the universe did you get that outfit? Oh,
0: well, this was made for me, you know, in New Amsterdam. it was one of my best suits. Thank goodness I still have good-looking legs. <laughs> <laughs>
8: But, Nathaniel, you you can't wear those things. Men's styles have changed since you were in New Amsterdam 300 years ago. You'd attract too much attention.
0: Well, I attracted plenty of attention then, too, believe me. (laughs) I remember on Saturday nights when we used to get all dressed up and stand on the corner in front of Vandermeer's Apothecary, and (coughs) I used to tip my hat to... All the pretty maidens as they went by, you know?
8: Oh, I fan you.
0: I was quite a devil in those days, you know. <coughs> I even took snuff. <laughs> Just a pinch or two, you know.
8: Well, we haven't got time to reminisce. I brought you a complete modern outfit. Oh. You go behind the screen and change.
0: All right. I'll be right back. <laughs> Is this it? That's oh, it. Good, good. <laughs> Elizabeth! Yes? Are you sure these are the right clothes?
8: Of course. Why? Well, I don't
0: know. They, they have someone else's initials on them. Uh,
8: initials? Yeah. BBD.
0: <laughs>
8: <laughs> oh, it's Daniel. That's just the name of the manufacturer. Oh.
0: Well, they've certainly got it in a funny place. <laughs> oh, I see. I've got it out upside down. <laughs>
8: hurry now, Nathaniel.
0: I will. Oh, my goodness, what long britches!
8: Nathaniel, you don't call them britches now down there. You call them trousers.
0: Oh. Well, when did they lengthen the he-
8: the, the hemline? You'd better hurry. Okay. I'm ready oh well, thank you. you look wonderful as an earthling oh what's this picture
0: oh that's the first band that i ever worked with stan Stuyvesant and his knickerbocker five <laughs> <laughs> well, i
8: i don't see you in the picture
0: oh well that was taken a few days after they decided to make it the knickerbocker four <laughs> sounded pretty thin without me
8: well we'd better
9: get going uh-huh. i'll walk you to the edge
0: how do i look you know i'm gonna miss you elizabeth
8: oh you are a uh-huh I really am. Well, you'll only be gone for one day.
10: Well, hello, Elizabeth. Uh, hello, Nathaniel.
8: Hello, Noah.
10: Hello, Noah. Uh, <laughs> I, I hear you're going away, Nathaniel. Yes, but I'll I'll be back tomorrow. Oh, uh, well, when you get back, drop in. I'm going to have a little gathering in the ark. In the ark? Uh-huh. Oh, good. Who's coming? Just a few couples.
8: <laughs> uh, Thanks. We'll be there. <laughs> and you'll be careful you follow the Chief's instructions. This is a great opportunity for you.
0: I know, I know.
8: If you make good, I might even be able to get you a job in the office. And then you'd have regular hours and we'd be able to have more time together.
0: Gee, I'd like that.
8: And uh, it besides, uh, there's a great chance for advancement, you know, the Chief started that way. <sighs> Playing the trumpet and uh, well, Would you like seeing me every day in the office?
0: I sure would. (laughs) But the trumpet, don't ask me to give up the trumpet. Because you know why, Elizabeth? This was, when I was alive, this was my whole life. And now that I'm not, it's my whole afterlife.
8: But, uh, (laughs) Nathaniel, you're not getting anywhere as a musician. You've been at it for over 300 years, and you're still 455th trumpet. There's no future in it for us. And there's no future in it for you. If we're ever going to get anywhere, you're going to have to forget about music and try to make something of yourself.
0: Gee, Elizabeth, you know how fond I am of you, but you know, asking me to give up the trumpet, why... I don't know, that it would just break my spirit. And that's all I've got left.
8: (laughs) Well, Nathaniel, you're going to have to make a decision. And soon. Uh, I'm not waiting around another 200 years.
0: Gosh, you hardly give a fellow a chance to make up his mind.
8: Oh, well, we'll talk about it when you get back.
1: All
8: right. Bye. Oh! You'll need some money down there.
0: Oh, what are these, gilders?
8: No, those are dollars.
0: Oh, dollars? Well, I, I wouldn't know about that.
8: <laughs>
0: dollars, they're so nice and crispy. Well, I better be going now. Gee. Dollars.
7: (laughs) Nathaniel? Nathaniel? Yes, Horatio? The Chief wants to make sure you've got everything straight. Do you remember all the instructions?
0: Yes, Horatio.
7: Well, he says you'd better not slip up because he'll be watching. I won't. I won't, Horatio. Goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, Elizabeth. Oh, and Nathaniel.
0: Yes, Horatio?
7: Watch out for that first step. It's a pip. <laughs> I
0: will. Well, goodbye. Good luck. Goodbye. I'll see you tomorrow.
10: Goodbye. 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 I
9: here! We're doing about out it. Right here. Hi, lady! Hi, Hi. here! Hi, lady! You're just not making any sense. All
11: right, Helen, goodbye, if that's the way you want it. It
9: isn't the way I want it, and you know it isn't. I don't know what you want. Give up your trumpet and get a regular job.
11: <laughs> Helen, you can't ask a guy who's been a musician all of his life to, to give up the, the trumpet and become a salesman.
9: Well, you don't have to be a salesman. I can't be anything but a musician.
11: It's what I know, it's what I do. You wanna just call the whole thing off?
9: Oh, no, I don't, Danny. I love you. But if we're gonna be married, we should have some security and lead a normal life. Gee, I work nights because you work nights. I don't like working nights.
11: I can't help it if people go dancing at night. We don't. Now, look, Helen. Oh, wait a
9: minute, I'm gonna ask the boss for a few more minutes. A few more You'll minutes? You stay right here, go- I'll be right back.
10: Another argument? No, the same one. Here's the new downbeat. Thanks.
0: Gosh, New York has changed. I wouldn't have recognized it. I wonder where the Waldorf-Biltmore Hotel is. I don't see it around anywhere. When I left, they should have pointed me at it. Well, I'll just have to ask somebody.
8: Shine?
9: Shine, mister? Best in town. I do one shoe for free. The other's only a quarter.
0: Well, I, I don't think I... Well, all right. I mean, what do I, what do, I do? What do well, I have to do? Just
9: stick your foot up on this box.
0: Oh, like this?
9: Hey, Johnny, lend me your blue-shine oil, will you? I'll cut you in on the tip.
0: Oh, do you boys happen to know a hotel called the Waldorf Biltmore?
9: You kidding? It's the biggest one in town. You must be a stranger. Ain't you never been to New York before?
0: Oh, yes, yes, I come from here, but, of course, that was a long time ago. Gee, I've... I've never seen so many saloons. What kind of a drink is television?
9: (laughs) Hey, that's pretty good. You look like such a square. Hey, what's that you got there, a trumpet? How
8: about giving us a little bump?
0: Bob? Is that music?
8: Is it?
1: It's out of this world. Hey,
0: that's funny. That's where I've been, but I've never heard about it. <laughs> Bob.
1: You play with a band, mister?
0: Yes, I'm with Ludwig von Beethoven and his ethereal melodians.
9: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice orchestra. You know. I never heard of it.
0: Well, you will someday. They play the sweetest music, the other side of heaven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very
0: large organization, you know.
1: Oh yeah. Where do you play?
0: Well, we play in a big hall. Oh, it's the biggest hall you've ever seen. In fact, it takes the drummer two days to get to his seat. <laughs> <laughs> Mister, how long
8: you been with this orchestra?
0: Oh, you, you, you wouldn't believe me if I if I told you. Well, come
8: on, we'll believe you.
0: You will? Mm -hmm. Well, I've been with him 300 years.
9: 300 years? What's your name, Methuselah?
0: (laughs) No, no, but I know him very well. In fact, I was at his last birthday party and they had the most beautiful cake. And it took us two weeks to blow out the candles. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Gee,
0: Methuselah looks good for his age. I wonder if he dyes his beard.
9: Jerry, the guy's a comedian. I think he's nuts. Let's get out of here before the wagon backs up. <laughs> uh, that'll be a quarter, please.
0: A quarter? Uh, I haven't got a quarter. I, I have a dollar and it's nice and crispy. Would you like a dollar?
8: I like a dollar. Oh boy. Hey, Shirley, you can't take a gu- dollar from a guy like this. I guess you're right. Uh, here's your change, mister. No, no,
0: I don't want any change. And uh, here's, here's a dollar for you, too.
8: You sure you can afford this?
0: Why, certainly.
8: Gee, thanks. I dig you the most. You what? I dig you the most. That means you're a real good guy.
0: Oh. I dig you the most. <laughs> Mister, uh, yes. uh,
12: the next time you're around this way, both shoes for free.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very, very much.
12: Salon, so Thanks Goodbye. again.
0: <laughs> Goodbye. You're welcome. Gee, they were nice youngsters. I feel so good. Such a wonderful feeling to give money away.
10: <laughs>
0: well, I still don't know how to get to the Waldorf of Biltmore. I'll ask that man.
10: Walkster, well, uh, get your pipers here, Read all about it. Piper? Oh,
0: oh pardon me, mister.
10: Piper? Want a Piper,
0: mister? A piper? <laughs> <laughs>
10: What's a poiper? A paper.
1: <laughs>
0: hmm. Smog still choking New York. Gee, I'm sorry.
10: What do you mean you're sorry? It's not your fault.
0: Oh, yes it is.
10: Is it serious? Serious? Pushed all the big stuff off the front page. The big stuff? Yeah, the investigations, the wars, the murders, the race results. I don't know when it's going to end.
0: <laughs> I do.
10: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Say, that reminds me. Could you direct me to the Waldorf-Biltmore Hotel?
10: Oh, sure, that's easy. You you, you from out of town?
0: Way out, yes, sir.
10: <laughs> oh, well, then what you should have is the uh, map of the city. Now, this will tell you how to get to any place in New York. It's only 35 cents. You ought to buy it.
0: Well, I... <laughs> I haven't 35 cents, all I have is a dollar.
10: Oh, well, then if that's all you got, you you can look at it for nothing. Thank you. I have a few
9: more minutes. Oh, Danny, please try to understand. look,
11: honey, we've been over this a million times. Why don't we talk about it tomorrow?
9: Tomorrow? With you, it's always tomorrow. You've got to face it today. You've got to come to a decision.
11: Just like that, huh? Just throw away my trumpet, and then what?
9: Well, you've been playing for years, and you haven't gotten anywhere. Oh, Danny, you ought to get into something now where we can have a future together so we know where we're going. Helen, asking
11: me to give up the trumpet, well, it would break my spirit.
9: Oh, it isn't as bad as that. You'll get over it.
11: Because you say so? Well, what makes you think you're so right? I think that if you love a guy enough, you stick with him no matter what he does never heard of a guy giving up the work he loves to get married.
9: Danny, you're just being unreasonable. I'm not being
11: I... unreasonable. You can
0: ask anybody. You, you can ask me. What? Well, I don't think you should be, you should be fighting right now. Believe me when I tell you that none of this will make any difference tomorrow. Look, buddy. Let's say that
11: you're a musician and you play a very good trumpet. Thank you. Now let's say that you've got a girl And you're very much in love with her Elizabeth And let's say that she wants you to give up your music She does Well, would you give it up? Well Well, What
9: difference does it make what he says? He can't solve our problem
11: The trouble with you is, Helen, you you won't listen to what anybody has To say you want everything your own way Well, I'm finished, I'm through
9: Danny,
10: where are you going? I don't know and I don't care
1: Oh, I'm...
0: I'm terribly sorry. I, I hope it isn't... it isn't my fault. Oh,
1: it doesn't matter.
0: Well, that's it. That's what I've been trying to say. It really doesn't matter. Now, please, please stop crying.
9: Well, thanks anyway.
0: You're welcome. No, no, Chief. I... I didn't lose the horn. No, 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 I've got it right here. (laughs) What? It's the wrong one? Wait a minute. Look, I've got the wrong horn. This is my horn. Somebody took my horn. I've got to get it back. Gee, yeah, it must have been Dan. Well, I don't care. I must get it back. If not, I'll be on my knees scrubbing clouds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no,
1: no,
10: Don't get excited, mister. It was just a mistake. You get your horn back. Well, when? When? How? 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 Well, uh, Helen will know where he is. She works in that drugstore right over there. Just go over and ask her. Helen? Yeah, Helen. Oh, thanks. Thanks.
0: All right, Chief. I'll get it. I'll get it. <laughs>
7: See, Elizabeth, I knew he was the wrong one to send. But he'll get it back.
8: He said he would. Well,
7: he'd better, or they'll have me upstairs on the carpet. Nathaniel! Bah! A simple little job like blowing up the earth, and he can't even do that. Can't even do that.
8: Well, he hasn't failed
7: yet.
8: You <laughs> get the horn back, and then there's plenty of time till midnight.
7: Midnight? But, Elizabeth, don't you realize if the boy who took that horn blows anything on it before then... He could blow Saturn into smithereens or destroy some of our good planets. Oh, oh Elizabeth, I, I'm i scared to death.
8: Oh, my goodness. You'd better warn Nathaniel to hurry. Why don't you send him another thundergram?
7: Yes, I, I will. But if he botches up this job, I'll drop him from his cohort and I'll drum him out of the phalanx.
0: Excuse me, Helen. Helen, where's Dan?
9: I don't know, and I don't care. Besides, you were right. It doesn't matter. No,
0: but I was wrong. It does matter. I've got to get my horn back. Believe me, I've got to get my horn. (laughs)
9: Sorry, I can't help you. Uh,
0: But you must help me. You don't know how important this is to me.
9: Well, I I know he's working tonight in the terrace room of the Waldorf-Biltmore.
0: Well, I have to be there, too. Do you think I can get there before, before he blows a horn? Oh,
9: mister, what difference does it make?
0: It makes a world of
9: difference. <laughs> well, if you're sure he has your horn, why don't you run over to the hotel and I'll try to call him?
0: All right, thanks. Oh, say, Helen, you know, I think you ought to be there. You ought to meet me at the hotel. You know, you're, you're both such nice kids that I think that maybe you ought to spend a few minutes together tonight.
9: I don't see why.
0: Just take my word for it.
9: I don't know why I should take your word for it. I don't even know you. But there is something strange about you. What's your name, anyway?
0: Nathaniel, third phalanx, 15th cohort.
9: <laughs> All right, I'll be there.
0: Oh, good, good. I'll see you then.
9: Hello, this is Helena. Stand there. No. Thank
0: you. Daniel. That's a funny name. I am. I am hurrying, Chief. <laughs> talking to me, Mac? No, I was talking to the Chief.
10: Oh, I could have sworn you got in by yourself. I'd... Another one. <laughs> you're around, I get them. 20,000 cabs in the city Oh, no, no, he gotta pick this one
0: (laughs) Look, can't you make it any faster? Speed, speed, speed Everybody rushing around like there's no tomorrow Well, there isn't Maybe you got something there, Mac You know like that guy Professor Einstein You know the professor, you know what he says The next war, them atom bombs And the one after that, they'll start throwing rocks at each other Well, you won't have to worry about that i don't know i went through one war my kid went through one war like i was telling my wife the other night i said the way they're fighting them now no country go through another war they'd knock each other off and then the whole world would just destroy itself it would well look can you hurry just a little faster please? i'm sorry mac if we'd go any faster we'll be flying well then let's
1: fly
0: <laughs> let's fly
1: <laughs> look i ain't
0: got no pilot's license and i ain't gonna take no chance of cracking up I've got a weapon kids to think about it. Well, I keep thinking about the horn. Oh, well, yeah? What are you, a musician?
7: Yes.
4: I'm yeah? the 155th
0: musician with the Ethereal Orchestra. I've been with him for 300 years.
7: <laughs> 300 years, eh?
0: You're going to be eligible for a pension pretty soon.
10: <laughs>
1: where did you look where you're going, you
10: meathead? Uh, I feel like I've been telling you. You'll have to get killed in this here traffic.
0: I know. I was killed right here, three hundred years ago. Three hundred years, eh? How'd you get killed? I was run over by a cow.
1: <laughs> well, that's a shame.
11: Here
0: we are, bud. That'll be two bucks. Bucks? Yeah. I haven't got any bucks, I, I have dollars. Would you take dollars? Look, I don't usually do this, but in your case I'll make an exception.
1: <laughs> they're nice and crispy,
0: you know. Thank you very much. You're you're welcome.
10: You're, you're welcome. very kind too. <laughs>
0: pardon me. I, I, I'm i looking for a musician. He has he has my horn. His name is Dan.
10: Dan? I don't know who he is, but he must be with the relief band. Uh-huh. They don't start until quarter to 12. Oh. He'll be here any minute. Oh,
0: oh, well, how, ca- how can I find him?
10: Have a seat in the lobby. He'll be in. All right,
0: thank you. Thanks. Paging, Mr. Caesar. Mr. Caesar, please. Oh, oh boy. Here a <clears throat> minute. Is that Julius Caesar?
1: <laughs> no,
0: Irving. I
1: don't know him.
0: (laughs) Julius is such a nice fellow. I think Brutus was definitely out of line. (laughs) Gee, I hope Dan doesn't try to practice on that horn. Something awful might happen if he did. God. (laughs)
12: isn't this a lovely hotel
0: yes yes it is
12: i've had such a busy day and you know in a few minutes the limousine is coming back for me and i have to go to a midnight supper at the Stark club oh really (laughs) then i must go home and get me some rest because tomorrow i have so much to do, I have to go to Arthur Murray's for a tango lesson, and then (laughs) to the 5th Avenue to buy an entire wardrobe for my trip to Honolulu. Oh,
0: you're you're going to Honolulu?
12: Yes, I have to go. Oh. You see, I hit the giant jackpot on the big payoff, (laughs) (laughs) and I've been traveling ever since.
1: (laughs)
0: Really, I, I don't know what you're talking about.
12: <coughs> Not only that, but they painted my house inside <laughs> out. I wish they hadn't. <laughs> I loved it the way it was.
0: <laughs> well, look, uh, look, Mrs. Uh, and
12: Mrs. Watson.
0: Oh, oh. Well, I'm Nathaniel. Okay. Uh, Third Phalanx, 15th Cohort.
12: (laughs) I've never been there. (laughs)
0: Well, it's not a place, you know.
7: Paging Mr. Jack Benny. Paging Mr. Jack Benny, please. Mr. Jack Benny.
12: Did you hear that? What? They're paging Jack Benny.
0: Jack Benny?
12: (laughs) Haven't you ever seen him on television? No, no. Oh, I didn't know he was stopping in this hotel. I think he's simply wonderful. Really? You know, I always watch his programs, even though I can't win anything.
1: <laughs>
0: Is
12: that so? <laughs> you know, the thing I like about him, he pretends to be cheap and stingy. And I'm sure he's not like that at all.
0: <laughs> he isn't?
12: No, I can tell just from looking at him that he's the sweetest, kindest, most generous man in the whole world.
0: Well, it's certainly nice that there are people like that.
12: <laughs> I'd better go outside and wait for the limousine.
0: The limousine? Yes.
12: Governor Dewey is the one who has to take me to the stork <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
12: part of the Jack.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. Well, it was awfully nice meeting you, Mrs. Watson.
12: Thank you, Mr. Phalanx.
0: Oh, no, no. It's a Thaniel, Third Phalanx, 15th cohort. Oh,
12: well, goodbye, Phaniel. <laughs>
0: goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Gee, that's a sweet old lady. And she's, she's going to Honolulu. I wonder if the Chief knows what he's doing.
7: Hello? Oh, yes, Horatio. I was wondering when you're going to call. What's the news down there? What do I care whether anybody goes to Honolulu or not? <laughs> oh. oh, you sent a thundergram. Good, good. Oh, j- just a moment, Horatio. Who's there?
8: It's me, Chief, Elizabeth. Oh,
7: Elizabeth, uh, just a moment, Elizabeth. Uh, Horatio, I want to think about this for a moment. I'll call you back. All right, goodbye. Come in, Elizabeth.
8: Chief, I just spoke to Horatio. He wants to recall Nathaniel.
7: I know. Maybe he's right. The horn is still missing and... and Nathaniel is weakening. You know, there's still a chance, even if he gets the horn back, that he, that, he, that he won't blow it. Oh, it'll be just like him if at the last moment he butches everything again.
8: Oh, Chief, if you take Nathaniel off this assignment, you'll destroy all his confidence. He's tried so hard to make good. He was so happy at the chance to become an angel senior grade. He'll get the horn back. Oh, please, Chief. Be patient with him just a little longer, won't you?
7: Elizabeth, I don't know why I let you talk me into these things, but you, you always do.
8: Then you will give him another chance. Oh, thank you, Chief. You're the best Chief the Small Planet's ever had.
0: Did, did, they, did the musicians come in yet? No, sir. You see, is, is that the
10: correct time?
0: Sir?
10: Yes, sir. It's exactly 21 minutes to 12. I, are you sure? Oh, yes, sir. The sun rises and sets by that clock.
0: Well, I'm afraid you've been misinformed.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: I hate to say so. You see, the sun's movements are entirely independent of this planet. However, I will accept the time as 11.39 p.m.
10: Thank you, sir. I'm sure Western Union will be deeply grateful.
0: That's all right.
10: Are you stopping at the hotel, sir?
0: Just for a short time.
10: Are you staying overnight?
0: No, and neither are you. Your nails? Oh, I, I only bite them when I'm worried. You
8: know. When I don't bite my nails, I get candy. Would oh. you like a bite?
0: Oh well, thank you. I, I haven't had a bite in over three hundred years. Uh-huh. so <laughs> you know, it's a long time to fast. <laughs>
8: then take a big bite.
0: Oh well, thank you. What's, uh, what's your name? Angela. Angela. That means a little angel, doesn't it?
8: That's right.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm an angel too. I'm a big angel.
1: You are? Uh Uh-huh. What's your name?
0: Nathaniel. Third phalanx, 15th cohort.
1: (laughs) How
8: old are you?
0: What?
8: How old are you?
0: Well, I'm 357.
8: 357?
0: Yes, of course. I I tell everybody up there that I'm 339. (laughs) Well, I'm really... 357. (laughs) Um, what are you doing up so late?
8: We're going home tonight on the airplane.
0: Oh.
9: Angela, are you bothering this gentleman?
0: Oh, no, 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 not at all. We were just sitting here having the nicest little chat, you know?
9: Well, she hasn't seen her daddy in two weeks, and she talks to every elderly gentleman she
1: meets. (laughs)
9: But, dear, I just gave you a whole piece.
8: I know, but I offered this man a bite, and he ate the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: terribly sorry. I I didn't realize. I only meant to take a bite, you know.
9: (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Come on, dear, I'll buy you another piece of candy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I won't.
0: (laughs) Dan.
10: Stand!
0: Up to the roof, please. <laughs> hey, can't you go any faster? Sorry, sir. There's a speed limit. Uh-huh. Is your name Otis? <laughs> How did you guess? Otis J. Elevator. That's me. <laughs> I'm certainly glad to know you. Have we got much longer? Uh, Well, you'll be out of here in a minute. I'll be stuck here till 2 in the morning. Well, I have news for you. You're getting off at 12. (laughs) Chief didn't tell me anything about it. Well, he told me. (laughs) Funny. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. From the terrace room at the Waldorf-Biltmore, we present once again the delightful rhythms of Male Merrick and his orchestra. Now getting underway,
4: here is Dancing in the Dark. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't blow that
0: horn. Don't blow that horn. Well, you'll get it's out mine.
1: of here. Wait a minute.
7: Pardon the interruption, ladies and gentlemen. And now back to Mayland Merrick in the orchestra.
1: Look,
11: <laughs> oh, buddy, I'm glad to get my horn back, but what did you have to do with that way? A thing like yeah, that I could cost know. me my job. Ge- could- Helen, what are you doing here? I
9: thought I'd stop by my way home from oh, work. Oh,
11: what's the use? Oh, Dan,
9: I thought if we talked a little Helen,
11: bit- we've talked and talked and talked, and where does it get us?
9: Do you want me to go?
11: I don't know why you came. I,
0: I told her to come. Who are you, anyway?
9: He's Nathaniel.
0: Third phalanx, 15th coat.
9: <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta get back to work. Oh, no, Dan, don't go.
0: No, because I have something I want to say to both of you. Oh, I've got a job. Well, you can
9: listen to him for just a minute, Dan.
0: All right, what is it? You see, the, the reason I was so anxious to get this, this horn back because it's such an un- unusual one. What's so unusual about it? Well, in four minutes, I'm gonna blow this horn and destroy the earth. Hey, what are you, a crackpot? (laughs) (laughs) I'm an angel.
9: (laughs) An angel?
0: Yeah. Now, look at it. You you only have four minutes to live. Are you gonna spend those four minutes just fighting with each other?
9: Dan, I'm afraid.
11: Honey, what what are you afraid of? This guy?
9: <laughs> oh,
11: look what you've done to her. Hey, are you running around all by yourself?
9: Dan, suppose <laughs> he isn't a nut. Suppose that horn... Oh,
11: come on, Helen.
9: Oh, I know it sounds silly, but... Dan, suppose we did have only four more minutes to live. We've wasted all our precious time fighting it. A... Fighting about I don't even know what.
11: Oh, honey, don't get upset. This guy is nothing but Forget a...
9: Forget about a hill, Dan. There could be a lot of reasons why we have so few time left. They're wars and bombs. Oh, don't you see, Danny, if we knew in advance, we could make every second a happy one.
11: (sighs) No, sure we could, honey.
9: Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could live as though we only had four minutes to live? Well, Danny, holding each other close would be the most important thing in all the world.
11: Oh, it is, Helen, it is. Come on, let's go inside. It's getting cold out here.
0: Well, they... They finally got the idea. (coughs) and Now, maybe they can settle all their problems. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, Chief, I know. But I was just thinking of, of Helen and Dan, and they reminded me so much of Elizabeth and me. And all they want is to be happy and now they have such little time. But Chief, they're, they're not bad people. I mean, they're so much in love. I mean, how can they be bad? I mean, they shouldn't be destroyed. And Chief, they're not the only ones, Chief. What about the, the two shoeshine boys who were so nice, and the news dealer, and the, and the, the little old lady who was going to Honolulu. Chief. And, Chief, there are millions of others just like them, just hoping and praying for a better world. If you'd if you just give them a little more time... Look, Chief, why can't you wait a while? Chief, remember remember what the taxi driver said? Remember he said, if there's, if there's another war, that the whole world would destroy itself, and then there'd be no more Earth. And then... Remember, Chief, if that happened, then the responsibility wouldn't be yours. You wouldn't be to blame. See? (laughs) (laughs) See what I mean, Chief? I mean, you've waited so long, thousands and thousands of years. I mean, suppose you wait just a little while longer, and then... Maybe everything will straighten itself out and be exactly the way you want it to be. What was that, Chief? You mean I I don't have to blow the horn? Gee, thanks, Chief. You know, I'd, I'd like to come back home now and see you and Elizabeth and Methuselah and Noah and the whole gang. I'd even like to see Mr. Beethoven, too, (laughs) even though he hollers at me all the time. And Chief, tell Elizabeth that I've learned a lot down here and that our problems up there are just as small. Really, all we have to do is is work them out, that's all. Well, I'd like to come up now, Chief. Thanks so much. And, oh, Chief, I dig you the most. <laughs> uh, going down, sir? What? Uh, going down? No, no, thank you. Up. <laughs> <laughs>
6: how grateful we are for what you've done to us I mean for us (laughs) (laughs) what was that? well, look, we've been trying for a long time we felt we should take a rest from highbrow plays and ballets and high-priced talent Mm -hmm. and bring in (laughs) bring in a really solid down-to-earth in-the-gutter low comedian
1: (laughs)
0: Well, look, you know, uh, Mr. Cook, you see, I've had, I had the opportunity when Omnibus wanted me to be with him of doing one of two plays, you see, either The Horn Blows yeah. at Midnight or Hamlet, you see. Hamlet? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you are going to play the Gravedigger, right? No, 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 King Lear. <laughs> Wait,
6: King Lear in Hamlet?
0: Yes, we're very flexible out here, you
6: know. <laughs> so this makes us all the more grateful that you made the choice you did, but seriously... Haven't you redeemed yourself with Warner Brothers after this?
0: Well, a funny thing about Warner Brothers, you know, they, they wanted me to play the lead in their latest picture that just came out called Hondo, you see. They what, wanted me for the lead. What happened? Well, then they thought they'd like more of a whimsical character, you see, a sort of a pixie for the lead, you know.
6: And uh, who did they pick? John Wayne.
1: <laughs>
6: it's been wonderful to have you with us. And look, if you've got half an hour, 90 minutes next Sunday afternoon, will you take a look at us?
0: Well, I will if you look at my show. You know, mm-hmm. I'm on next Sunday. You're on television? Television, yes. And I have Irene Dunn with me as my guest, and, and Vincent Price and Gregory Rattoff. It's a deal. So we'll look at it, huh? Fine. Well, we're sure of two, two listeners, aren't right, we? <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> You're
1: welcome. Oh, wait
0: oh, 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 Mr. Cook. I do want to thank you and Omnima so much for coming all the way here to Los Angeles. Oh, you know, just so you could have my
6: show. No, 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 Jax. We were coming out here anyway.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs>